My two cents on last night's debate. And we end National Bourbon Heritage Month with a magnificent one-time-per-year selection, the Old Forster Birthday Bourbon 2020 edition. Bold Alpha is presented by Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the Gurkha Real. Connecticut rapper comes to Gurkha, mild, creamy, and smooth. GurkhaCigars.com. I'm sure I speak for many Americans that watched the first presidential debate last night, that if you did watch it, a very stiff libation is in order. And I have just the libation to select appropriately on the last day of National Bourbon Heritage Month. Greetings from Command Center Alpha. It is Alpha Dave, your five-star general, global alpha male-in-chief. I welcome you to Bold Alpha, your destination for alpha male lifestyle conversational maneuvers and unabashed commentary. And I absolutely have tons of commentary to talk about last night's debate. But first, let me end National Bourbon Heritage Month appropriately. One of my absolute favorite bourbons that comes out only one time per year is the Old Forster Birthday Bourbon. It's been coming out one time per year in September. It's released every September 2nd to celebrate the founder of Old Forster, George Garvin Brown's birthday. This year is the 150th year, or the anniversary, of the company he began back in 1870. Now, before I tell you a little bit about George Garvin Brown, let me tell you a bit about this Old Forster birthday bourbon. First First off, the bottle. The packaging is exquisite. It replicates, a glass bottle that replicates, you can actually hear my little tumbler that I have here on my desk. The glass bottle replicates the look of the copper, unique copper still that is used to distill the old Forster bourbons up in Kentucky. So magnificent bottle. Comes out one time per year, and they only take 95 barrels Let me just pour a little bit here into my snifter, my special whiskey snifter. So what they do is they, one time per year, they select 95 barrels that are aged usually 10 years, and they pick a different date. So, for example, this year they selected, Old Forster selected, the date of June 5th, 2010. 10-year age bourbons, they took 95 barrels of the Old Forster bourbon distilled that day, And they use that to mix and to create the Old Forster Birthday Bourbon 2020. It's a very, very unique process. Master distiller Chris Morris, master taster Jackie Zykin. I've had them both on the Brother Cigar Dave show many, many times. It's a very unique small batch bourbon. Unique character, unique flavor. This is a very hot commodity. Comes out one time per year. And every year they'll do something different. Sometimes they may age it, for example, in an old uh, maple uh, or or an old rum barrel. Or it could be old wine barrels. Every year has a slightly different take. Now, the 2020 birthday bourbon bottled at 98 proof, 95 barrels aged 10 years. 
Very unique uh, taste to this particular bourbon. Let me give you a little bit of tasting notes before we tell you more about this particular bourbon. Let me swish it around here. The aroma, I'm getting some nice citrus, nice vanilla, almost a buttery, mm, almost like a buttery, chocolatey note on the nose. Now, let me go ahead and say cheers. And I will take a sip of this Old Forster Birthday Bourbon 2020. Mm. Now I'm giving it what's called the Kentucky Chew. So I actually chew it just a little bit. Goes around my palate. Going to take another taste. Mm. Mm-hmm. Some caramel notes. I'm getting a little bit of a toffee-like note to it. Again, I'm getting vanilla again, mm, and almost a cinnamon spice, a cinnamon sizzly spice towards the back side of my tongue, on each side of the tongue. Very nice finish, a little bit of sweetness on the end with just a touch of warmth. Not overly warm, but just enough. Now, this suggested retail for the 2020 Old Forester Birthday Bourbon $129.99, that is if you can get it. Many times I see these resold for $500 to $1,000, depending on where you look. So this is a very popular bourbon. Comes out one time per year. I've got now about five or six in my collection, and I have some very nice contacts at Brown Foreman who take care of the general on a regular basis. But let me just tell you that the mash bill on this, while they don't release it, it's not disclosed, I would say from past years, it's probably in the 70 72% corn area, maybe 16 18% rye, and then there's about 10% malted barley. He's got a nice deep copper color hue to it. It's very, very pleasant. And I'll tell you what, this would go perfectly. This Old Forster Birthday Bourbon 2020 would go perfectly with a Gurkha Real. If you're looking for a cigar that's going to be on the creamy side, a little bit of sweetness, very mellow, very tame, the Gurkha Real would be the perfect complement, the perfect accompaniment to the Old Forster Birthday Bourbon 2020. One is not going to overpower the other. The Gurkha Real uses an Ecuadorian Connecticut shade wrapper, Dominican Olor binder, so you will get a bit of sweetness. And the fillers are Dominican Criollo 98 and some Nicaraguan long fillers. So you're going to get some sweetness. You're going to get some spice. Overall, the Gurkha Real delivers a nice, creamy, cedary, slightly sweet type of taste. It's a beautiful, medium-bodied cigar. It's not overly heavy. It's not overly light. Just a very pleasant cigar all the way. So the Gurkha Real would go beautifully with this Old Forster Birthday Bourbon 2020. Now, let me take another sip, and then we'll move into talking about the debate. I'll give you my post-debate analysis. But first, hmm. There's just something very pleasant, very relaxing about enjoying a glass of bourbon, Kentucky whiskey, single malt scotch in the appropriate uh, glass. Just very relaxing, very pleasant, enjoying the overall experience. You get it on the nose, you get it on the tongue, you get the taste. 
just a very nice sensory overload experience. And now it puts me in a very relaxing state to discuss last night's debate. I'm not going to give you a blow-by-blow of the entire two-hour debate, but what I will do for the next several minutes is just give you my impressions and my thoughts. First up, let's talk about the moderator, Chris Wallace. Chris Wallace, without any question, has a right Democrat bent. Correction, leftist Democrat bent. He is a liberal. There's no doubt about it. Now, he tries to come across as fair, and in many times he does. However, if you look at his debate performance last night and in previous debates, he has a tendency to interrupt the Republican candidate, whereas the Democrat uh, candidate, he allows them to skate and go on. Now, what I noticed last night was that Christine Wallace, let's call him by his appropriate name, Christine Wallace, tended to interrupt President Trump numerous times. Now, there were interruptions all over the place, and I'll get to that in just a moment. But in terms of the moderator, what I found was is that there were times when I wanted to hear what each candidate had to say, expound on something that one of the other candidate's statements made, or allow the other one to rebut. He would cut it off and say, no, we need to move on. But he did so primarily with President Trump. When, when Biden... When uh, uh, sleepy Joe Biden would make some comments that were blatantly untrue, blatantly untrue and false, and, and Biden has a very big tendency to lie. Again, I'll get into that momentarily. He wouldn't interrupt Biden, but he would interrupt Trump. And I thought to be, I think the number was he interrupted Trump something like 80 times when he was talking, and then he interrupted Biden 17 times. So it was definitely skewed. I thought some of the questions, the way that he posed the questions, they were loaded. What I really like a moderator to be is like a referee. A good referee you shouldn't even know is there, except at the occasional time when there is a penalty. To me, a moderator should let the candidates go, maintain order, and I know it was tough last night with President Trump and with Biden. Very difficult. But to me, when the questions are too loaded, I would rather him bring up a topic, make a statement, and then say, great, gentlemen, you go at it. And then allow them to continue back and forth. Now, in terms of the interruption, President Trump, I felt, was very undisciplined last night. There is no question, as you all know, I am a President Trump supporter. I voted for President Trump. The attacks that have gone on against President Trump from the deep state, from the Clinton campaign, from the Obama administration have been unprecedented. It was an absolute coup launched against a duly elected president of the United States. Heads should roll. People should go to jail. Now, President Trump, I know, wanted to pepper Biden. I know he wanted to knock Biden off his game. But here's the little tip. Biden will knock himself off without any coercion from an opposing candidate. I was just watching Joe Biden this morning on his train, uh, his little train stop, his whistle, uh, whistle, what do they call it, whistle stop campaign. He's going through, starting in Cleveland, ending in Pennsylvania on an Amtrak train, stopping in all these uh, different towns because, again, he can't get more than 10, 20 people to show up. But very interesting that while he was speaking, there was a train in the distance blowing its horn. And he got very distracted. And he started mumbling and fumbling. And then he started talking about a few other things. And he mumbled and fumbled on his own. 
And there were key times when Biden was about to put his foot right in the shit, right in the dog shit. And then President Trump bailed him out by interrupting Biden. Just when Biden was about to put himself into the grave, President Trump bailed him out. I thought it was very, first of all, I thought it was, it got to be very rude for Trump to keep interrupting. President Trump, right off the get-go, let, think about, think about a debate as a prize fight, if you will. You're a, it's a boxing match. You got two players, two boxers that are going at it, just like two debaters. Now, there are going to be things said when one of the debaters has the floor. He has two minutes to speak. He's going to make misstatements. He's going to blatantly lie sometimes. And Joe Biden blatantly lies left and right. But what you have to do as a prize fighter to win the title, you want to win the heavyweight championship, what you need to do is you got to take some of those jabs. Take the jabs in the two minutes. Cover yourself, take the jabs, be patient, and then when it's your turn, boom, boom, uppercut, boom, boom, uppercut, boom, jab, jab, boom, uppercut. That's what President Trump should have done. Instead, he's trying to interrupt and deliver these uppercuts when you can't hear what what, uh, he's trying to say because there's so much crosstalk. As a viewer, as a radio listener, a podcast listener, The one thing that drives me batshit is when there are two people, and I know that sometimes the cable network's producers, they egg the the talent on, the the guests on. They think it's great to have people yelling at each other. I don't. You can be passionate. You can make your case. You can get fiery. But don't interrupt. I've learned many times, and I've been a guest on many radio and TV shows discussing whether it's cigars or spirits or the pleasure police, whatever the case is. And I have had the opposing viewpoint, opposing person to my viewpoint talking, and I know blatantly that they are going on and they are absolutely lying. But I I lay low. I take those little jabs. And then when it's my turn, boom, I come back at them with, with facts. Massive uppercuts. I mean, I'm talking hits to the face, hits to the nose. They're going to need a good cut man by the time I'm done with them, shredding them. And that's exactly what's happened. And then when I come back with facts and the other party starts to interrupt me, I immediately stop and say, excuse me, I was extremely polite and didn't interrupt you when you were speaking. I expect the same courtesy in return. And most of the time, that shuts the other party up. But President Trump last night, I don't know what he thought, If he thought this was great, he almost looked very angry coming out. He looked tense. That was one of the impressions early on. He settled in after about half an hour, 40 minutes. But I thought President Trump definitely looked tense. He looked as if he wanted to climb across the the, uh, the lectern and whack Joe. And I get it. You've been on the campaign trail for 10 months. You're going and you're sparring. You're you're going after, I'm sure. Look, Trump's thin-skinned. There's no doubt about it. So is Biden. But if President Trump would have just waited for the appropriate time, and then when it's his turn, bam, deliver the uppercuts, deliver the jabs on a continual basis. And the problem is when you try to deliver a jab or a big-time uppercut when the other person is talking and you're interrupting, your uppercut doesn't land. The punch doesn't hit. And I felt that Biden 
would have immediate he would have he was already starting to melt on his own. And one thing I've noticed about Biden is that sometimes he does perform better when he's challenged. But if you look at him at interviews where he's not challenged, or when he's speaking when he's not challenged, there's no competitor, there's no opposition, there's no tough reporter. He digs his own hole many times. So I thought President Trump, number one, and again, I'm a supporter of President Trump, but again, what do I always talk about? I've said many years, constructive criticism does not mean that you are just criticizing somebody for the sake of criticism. Constructive criticism, and I I would say if I were President Trump, I'd say I want to see the debate. I want to watch it myself, just me, myself, and I. And I want to just see. And I guarantee you when he's done with it, he would look and say, I interrupted too much. I didn't make the point. I, some of the some of the punches that I wanted to, to hit Biden with fell flat because, again, there was too much crosstalk. Now, Biden, I thought, blatantly lied left and right. Furthermore, you could right from the get-go, when he came out, he's like, how you doing, man? Now, he's the president of the United States. I wouldn't walk up to Biden and say, how you doing, man? I would say, Mr. Vice President. That's just being courteous. Vice President Biden should, when he walked out, instead of saying, how you doing, man? Should have said, Mr. President, good evening. Hello, Mr. President. Just nod your head, Mr. President. President Trump was uh, was very courteous. He said, Joe, how are you? And they went to their, again, no handshake because of the Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus. But Biden was lying his ass off left and right. I mean, just one thing after another, the Green New Deal. He's for it, he's against it. Then when President Trump says, oh, by the way, your son took $3.5 million from the uh, uh, mayor of, of Moscow's wife, he's, no, no, it's not true, not true. All these things that Biden says were true. He is a blatant liar. Go back 30 years. I went back and started looking at some of his greatest hits, if you will. When he talks about he got a full scholarship to go to Syracuse Law School, he ragged in the top half of his class. He was at the bottom. I'm a graduate of Syracuse. He was an embarrassment to the university, to the law school. I mean, there were 95 students in the class. He was dead last. So Biden is no brain, is not a a smart guy. That we know. But the one thing that Biden did well, he looked into the camera and he did seem like he appeared like he was talking to the American people. And President Trump should have done more of that. Now, do I think it's going to change ultimately how people are going to vote? Probably not. However, I watched Frank Lunz's focus group with about 18 or 20 undecided voters. Now, here's my opinion on undecided voters. For all practical purposes, we have known that President Trump was going to be the candidate three and a half years ago. So he is going to be the Republican nominee. Everyone knew that going back, let's just say, beginning of the year. Biden, for all practical purposes, was the nominee starting in March. Now, you're talking about seven months. You have seen, you have heard the president. You have seen, you have heard Biden. You're telling me you're undecided? Anybody that's undecided a month before an election with this much time knowing who the two candidates are, doesn't deserve to get a vote. Please, how fucking dumb are you? You don't know? 
I mean, this is like going through a buffet and saying, great, I'm going to have the steak, I'm going to have the chicken, I'm going to have the fried shrimp, I'm going to have the ribs. And then after you've gone through the buffet line 10 times, when they say, well, what was your favorite dish? If you had to pick uh, one or two out of the 10, saying, you know, I'm undecided, I don't know. You know. Now, many people are just dumb. You have to remember one thing. Many beta, beta, not only beta males, beta people in general, they're dumb. We have a ton of wussified betas in the United States of America. We have a ton of dumb people. That's fact. The good thing about having a tremendous number of dumb people in the United States, and for the world for that matter, is those of us that are alpha males, or even if you're, for example, an alpha female, you'll have no problem whatsoever defeating the betas and succeeding. But how dumb can people be? You've known who the candidates are for eight months, and now, a month before the election, you're still undecided. But the one adjective that they used for President Trump, I would say out of 20, probably 16 did, after the debate, to describe President Trump's performance, unhinged. And in many cases, it did look unhinged. Now, there's no question that Chris Wallace had it out for Trump. He was going to favor, just like Candy Crowley. Remember when Candy Crowley, when Obama recited a lie about something and, 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 and uh, 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 Willard Mittens Romney said, no, that's not true. And Candy Crowley, the moderator, said, yes, it is. She was wrong. A moderator has no place in doing anything except just keeping order. Ask some questions. I thought Chris Wallace was the worst you know, I remember the late Jim Lehrer. Now, Jim Lehrer, I'm sure, was a liberal. But Jim Lehrer was very fair. He sat there. He asked questions. He allowed them to go back and forth. He kept order. Far better moderator. I said I, on Twitter last night, Joe Rogan threw out an offer to both candidates. Come on my show. We'll do a three-hour unscripted debate. You can both talk. And I said, I would prefer Joe Rogan to, to moderate the next debate because it would be, number one, far more, it would be certainly far better moderated. He would let both candidates, and he would ask questions that aren't gotcha questions, simple questions that Americans want to hear. You have to remember that many in the media, I don't care if it's Fox, if it's uh, CNN, MSNBC, the three television networks, the New York Slime, the Washington Compost, I don't care who they are. They are all in a bubble. They don't understand America. They live in New York or Washington. They dine, their lunch bill comes to, you know, for two people, 120 bucks, and they don't bat an eye. That's not America. That's where I live in the cigar city of Tampa, where I grew up in Buffalo, whether it's Des Moines, whether you're in Kansas City, the average American doesn't spend $120 or $60 for lunch. Most Americans are looking to get a $5 Subway or spend five, six, seven bucks or brown bag bring their own lunch. So these, these media types who are making seven figures are clueless when it comes to the reality of how most Americans live. So I'd like to see a guy like Joe Rogan or even me moderate and I say, listen, I'm going to keep order here. But we're going to keep on track and then have a free flow of ideas. 
Now, people tend to think that, oh, this was the worst debate in American history. This set us back. This is just terrible. The problem is most Americans don't know American history. Why? Because we don't teach American history in American classrooms anymore. You know it. I know it. Everyone knows it. They're trying to indoctrinate and brainwash our nation's youth to become Marxist liberal communists. But go back in American history and look at some of the debates. If you think last night was nasty, far nastier. Go back during Lincoln. Go back during the 1700s, the 1800s. This country has always had a history of both sides going at it. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, I felt that President Trump is the incumbent. He has the natural advantage. And early on, he looked weak by the interruptions and by looking hostile. He should have come out, looked relaxed, and as Joe's talking, let Joe dig his own hole once again. And when Joe's done, boom, break out the uppercuts. Boom, 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 boom. Back him into a corner. Until after just a couple of rounds, you got a technical knockout. Because the president on certain out, the one line was great. Joe, I've done more in 47 months than 47, than you've done in 47 years. There's no question that was a rehearsed line. That's okay. That's fine. But I felt on talking about the Wuhan virus, he did hit Biden talking about being uh, criticizing Trump for being xenophobic and being racist. He should have gone and hit that a little bit harder. He should have run more on his record. He's got a good record. Talk about the economy. Talk about the fact that that China, that Biden and Obama outsourced everything. And that's why our PPP or PPE, whatever they call it, the personal protective gear, that's why we don't, it's a big problem. We don't make anything here anymore in the United States. And that you can trace not only to Obama, you can tra- trace it to Bush, to Clinton, to the first Bush. Go back, umpteen presidents. They're all guilty of it. And President Trump should simply have stated continuously, I am for the American people. Joe, you claim to be for the American people. You say we should buy American, yet it was you and your over 47 years in the government that kept outsourcing jobs, that kept shipping jobs overseas, and that kept getting us into continuous wars. It was you, Biden. And then what I would have hit him on also, and maybe there's going to be another another uh, uh, when the, another another debate they talk about foreign policy, I would absolutely because you know Biden's going to hit him on. Oh, our 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 allies are just they they can't stand us now, and our allies are just so disenchanted. And that's the perfect time to Trump for Trump to say, Joe, they weren't our friends if they're not paying their fair share. I made them pay their fair share. All these other countries were deadbeats until I made them pay their fair share. And we are stronger today than ever before. And, you know, one of the other items when Biden says, well, you know, we're a racist country and race systemic racism, another argument that President Trump should simply make. Say, Joe, if we're such a systemically racist country, then why is it there are millions, millions of people from around the world, from every single ethnic group, whether they are blacks from Africa, whether they're blacks from Europe, whether they're Asians, whatever the ethnic group, they are dying to come to the United States of America. So, Joe, if we're so systemically racist, tell me why, if we open the doors tomorrow, we'd have 100 million people coming through the door. 
Why is it that they're all lined up? And Biden again would have bumbled, stumbled, and fumbled. So overall, the takes from last night's debate. Chris Wallace, poor moderator. Should have allowed both candidates. Number one, he shouldn't have interrupted. Keep everything on track. I understand that. But let them go back and forth. If one makes an accusation, give the other 20 seconds to rebut. That's no problem. Or give the other 20, 30 seconds to rebut. That's how he should have done it. And stop interrupting. When when Trump was making a point, Wallace would interrupt. He wouldn't do so to Biden. President Trump, got to lay off. Got to simmer down. Got to look up more relaxed, more at ease. You're the president of the United States. You're the world's most powerful man. Look it. Act it. Sound like it. Don't sound rattled. Don't interrupt. Let the other guy interrupt you, and people will say, oh, Biden had no respect for the president. Now, in terms of the next debate, it's going to be in Miami. It's going to be a town hall format. I think that suits President Trump far better. But I will tell you this. You cannot in any way, shape, or form. You've got to let people talk, and he does a good job of allowing citizens to, uh, to ask their questions, but you can't interrupt. And I think his people, his advisors, Rudy Giuliani, Chris Christie, I'm sure he still talks to Kellyanne Conway, are going to tell him, Mr. President, you got to lay off. Look calm. Look like you are the president, and don't interrupt. I thought it was very interesting last night. You saw all these different polls. One that grabbed my attention, Telemundo ran a poll, Hispanic audience. I think Telemundo is the number one network, Spanish network in the United States. When I saw the poll, I was almost, uh, a good thing I was sitting down. When they said who won the debate, I think it was 63%, 64% said President Trump. And 30-some-odd percent said Biden. And I think it may have been 62, 63, 60, somewhere in there. But it was a, definitely a, over a 60-40 or 60-30 uh, uh, mix. So Hispanics are breaking for Trump. And I think many blacks also understand that Biden throughout the years, when, when President Trump called Biden a super predator, he was right. Go back and look at the tapes of Biden. He goes on the floor. These are people that are going to kill your, your mother. These are going to keep kill my mother and my family. And yet, when there are Antifa rioters of all denominations burning and rioting, doing tremendous damage and violence in all these Democrat-controlled cities and states, Biden says nothing. So I thought President Trump did a nice job, again, landing those uppercuts on Biden talking about Antifa. Now, remember one thing. Everybody believed, and the polls showed it, that Romney handedly and decidedly beat Obama in the first debate four years ago, or eight years ago. Obama beat Romney in the first debate. But what happened in the second and third debates? Obama came back. And Romney could not close the deal, could not put the nail in the coffin, and ultimately Obama beat him in both debates. President Reagan, same thing, when he was going up against Walter Mondale. First debate, a little bit weak out of the chute, but the second and third debates, far better. And I guarantee you that Trump is looking at the tape, and you can say all you want, oh, I don't need to prepare. Maybe you should prepare a little bit more, Mr. President. And whoever did prepare him, certainly, whether it's, it's uh, Rudy Giuliani, Chris Christie, 
They didn't do a great job of telling him, you need to not interrupt. Don't interrupt. Look presidential. Wait. Wait, and then boom, throw your punch. And as I record this Bold Alpha podcast, I see that Slow Joe has now stopped in Alliance, Ohio with their Build Back. What a dumb slogan. Build Back Better. Now he's wearing some sort of cap. I have no idea what it is. But everything he reads, can't, can't speak extemporaneously, but even when he reads off a teleprompter, even when he reads off written notes or written speech, he still mumbles, fumbles, and bumbles. So moral of the story, Mr. President, in the next debate, be more prepared, be more calm, be more relaxed, don't interrupt. Now, next, the moderator for the next debate, I think, will actually be a huge improvement over Christine Wallace. It is one of the anchors on C-SPAN. Now, I tend to watch C-SPAN after the debates or the, the State of the Union because they allow citizens to talk. They have a Republican line, a Democrat line, an independent line, and usually the anchor there doesn't interject anything. He or she may ask some questions, but they don't put opinion in there, which I greatly appreciate compared to the uh, extremely biased Democrat and Libstream networks. So the next moderator is one of those anchors. I cannot remember his name. I've seen him many times, but he's very calm. I think he will do a good job. And I think the format is more suited where there won't be those interruptions. So overall, will it change a ton of minds? Probably not. Will it maybe change some independence saying, you know what, I don't want to have anything to do with it? Could it hurt Biden very well? Oh, by the way, I'm looking right now at Alliance Ohio. I kid you not. There are four people, or eight, no wait, one, two, three, four, five, six. I think there are 10 people at this stop in Alliance, Ohio. 10 people. 10 for Biden. There's no enthusiasm for him. So now all of a sudden, if you've got all these Democrats that are supposedly all excited because of Biden's performance last night, you'd think they'd be showing up in droves today on his train tour from, from, Pencil, from Ohio to Pennsylvania. Alliance, Ohio, there's eight people sitting on their lawn chairs, socially distanced. And by the way, one last note. Did you notice at the end of the debate, Melania comes up to President Trump, the spouses come up, and then Jill Biden comes up wearing a huge black mask. Is she afraid she's going to get the Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus from her husband? She can't take the damn mask off for a minute or two minutes while they're on stage? Please. When I see people wearing masks when there's nobody within 100 feet, same thing with a lot of these media types. There's nobody around, but when the camera's on, they've got the mask on. And then once the camera goes off, the red light is off, what do they do? They take the mask off. So those are my impressions. And as I wrap things up here, let me take another sip of my old Forster birthday bourbon. Mm. The 2020 edition. Got my hot little hands on one of these. Just delightful. Nice, warm. Mm. And even if you can't get a hold of the Old Forster Birthday Bourbon 2020, Old Forster is a bourbon you absolutely want to try. One of the oldest bourbons in the country. The first bottled bourbon in the United States of America. Alpha Dave, your five-star global general and global alpha male-in-chief. I say we eagerly await the next debate. I'll take another sip of my old Forster. We say so long to National Bourbon Heritage Month. And I say make America great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. 
Trump 2020.